How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to episode 10 of our Live from the Expo Floor podcast series. As we wrap up day two, we turn to something that we have all become way too familiar with over the last two years, virtual learning. The differences and realities of virtual versus in-person learning and how everyone in society, not just emergency services, has had to adapt to this. Here with me to discuss this is Bob Matoba. Bob is associate professor at the College of Central Florida for the paramedic program. He also has 38 years in EMS, spanning virtually every job description you can think of. With that said, however, education has always been his passion. Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Mike. Well, Bob, let's just be honest, okay? I mean, virtual learning has basically taken over our lives over the last two years. I don't care what industry you're in. Meetings, trainings, education, everything has been virtual. How has that been for you? You know, it's been a tough transition, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you know, I have a, a theory um, at this point that um, there's obviously a lot of education that's occurring in Zoom, um, but I think a large majority of the population is getting exposed to relatively bad um, education in those environments. And I think it's kind of tainted our perspective of the value that uh, virtual concurrent education brings to the table. Just maybe build on that a little bit. What, how do you feel it has changed the, the perception of it? And do you think it's still a very viable option as we move forward? Since we've all been, listen, it wasn't anything we were ever really accustomed to, right? I mean, it was sub, it, it existed, but it wasn't the norm. Now that we have been exposed to this, is this a viable option moving forward? You know, I, I think it's uh, questionable depending on the individuals. Again, I think the large majority of the population has been exposed to relatively ineffective and inefficient um, education um, as it pertains to virtual environments. And um, yeah, there just aren't a lot of really good examples. Not that I'd like to tout myself as that, but I think I've gotten much better at it. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think there's a lot of instructors that have made a lot of effort to become proficient um, in this environment. And from my perspective as an educator, um, I think virtual environments are probably uh, a panacea um, to the problem. And if it's done well, um, I think students can learn just as effectively, if not more effectively, in those environments. Well, obviously, I think that it, it's not, it's certainly not the same across the board, right? So you, you're, you're the associate professor of the paramedic program. Teaching a paramedic program virtually is not an easy thing. It just isn't. I mean, you know, as, as medics, as EMTs, we are very hands-on type people, and we're really interpersonal type people, right? We're having that type of interpersonal relationship with instructor, being able to be there, see them, be you know, be able to communicate with your peers. That goes a very long way in paramedic training. You know, it does, but um, in paramedic training, and I'm just going to say EMS training in general, um, I think the one leveling um, aspect of this is we have the skills lab component. Um, where we really are forced to have to, to meet face to face. And um, 
you know, I think that that sense of community that we develop um, during the educational um, experience um, can very much be developed um, in that environment. And I'm not sure if you necessarily need to have that uh, in the classroom. It's interesting, you know, from from the perspective of the learner and, you know, being on the other side of the screen, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, we have our own perceptions and, and we have our own beliefs on the way things were virtually. But we don't really have that perspective from the professor. And that's why it's really great to have you here, because I'd love to hear about some of the challenges, that, you know, the specific challenges, things that, you know, you don't necessarily think about but play such a key role in delivery of educational material. So maybe you could talk to me a little bit about, you know, number one, first your experiences prior to COVID with virtual and then during COVID and, you know, just some of the nuances that came about with this whole thing. So it's kind of ironic. Um, about three weeks prior to us getting shut down by COVID, um, I had the opportunity to actually uh, present a, a lecture uh, via webinar um, and I chose to do that because I had done a lot of education um, online, mm -hmm. but had never had nev never done anything concurrently. So um, I just kind of uh, stepped out of my comfort zone and um, you know prepared my lecture, um, delivered that lecture via that platform, and um, it was a miserable experience. <laughs> uh, you know, I I just kind of told myself, well, gosh, you know, I've, I'm Bob Matoba. I've done all this education for all these years. Um, I'm just going to do what I normally do in the classroom, just kind of carried into that uh, experience. Sure. Um, and it was a miserable experience. It was just um, a total miscalculation. On your it was. Part. It's, it's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, so um, I remember um, getting off of that webinar because I was in my basement um, coming upstairs and my wife asking me, how did it go? And I told her, you know, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> um, you know, I tried it. Little did you little know. Little did I know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Little did you know that that's what the only thing you were going to be doing moving forward. Exactly. And so when that finally came to fruition, where you realized that that we were in the middle of COVID and that was the only approach, you know, what was your mindset then? Knowing what you knew, what you just went through, what were the challenges that you faced to make that learning experience relevant? So, you know, the I think the biggest revelation that I had was realizing what I'd been doing in the classroom for all of the, the years prior to this wasn't going to work. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm probably speaking uh, to the masses um, as far as educators that when we were all faced with having to present whatever platform we were using, um, it was a challenge because, again, none of us really anticipated ever having to do that for a long period of time. Um, so what I did personally is I started spending a lot of time just watching webinars, hmm. um, not only from EMS uh, presenters, but um, non-EMS presenters, but I specifically um, tracked down the educators that I respected personally um, as EMS educators and started observing what they were doing. And uh, interestingly enough, um, there were a few that uh, were making some adaptations um, but more than a handful of them were basically doing what they did in the classroom via the virtual platform. Okay. Um, and it, it was working, but it wasn't working for most. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I do a lot of education as well, and, and I, I truly enjoy teaching as well. It's, it's a passion of mine. And I could tell you that I almost felt unfulfilled in a sense because when I teach, I tend to be... Um, 
very animated, right? I like to walk around. I like to use a lot of hand gestures and all this other stuff. And then propping yourself in front of a camera where you have to worry about where your eyes are and everything else, it's just not the same. It's And, and I feel like then I'm not as effective in delivering it. And I think that just kind of translates down. I, I was curious what your thoughts are. You know, I, I think it's time and tenure in the saddle. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a different environment and you just need to be thinking differently about how you deliver the information, um, how you prepare that information, um, and how you interact with your students. You know, we were, talk, we were talking a little bit offline and, you know, I was wondering if possibly you can enlighten the listeners about, you know, some of those smaller nuances that we, you know, you don't really think about, but some of the things that play a key role when you're doing virtual. So lighting and webcam selection and eye, you know, placement and, and microphones and all these other little things. Like what were some of the difficulties? You know, I think the, the difficulties uh, for me was realizing that the way that you present yourself virtually um, is probably more important than the way that you prep yourself at the beginning of the day um, before you step into the classroom. Um, you know, it's not just like jumping into the shower and making sure that you know your hair is done and you right. don't have things hanging out of your nose and all that <laughs> other stuff. Um, you still you have know, to worry about that virtually, you do. but there's more things. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think the one thing that most instructors who teach in a virtual environment is they don't spend time setting up their virtual studio. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably more than half of the battle um, of becoming a little more effective is making sure that you look your best and the focal point is on you and the education and the content that you're you're delivering. And um, you know, I'm not saying that you need to make a large investment um, in a studio, but I think the one thing that uh, anybody who's going to be spending any time in front of a, a camera, whether it be for meetings um, or even more importantly for education, is they probably need to be making an investment in their lighting situation. Uh, yeah, there's there's no question that there's so many little things that go into it that you don't necessarily think about. I'm also curious about, from your perspective, the, the learner and the retention and, you know, the, the their ability to actually connect. Now, the, you, you always have the issues where, you know, people can turn their camera off and all these other things and are they doing something else and you're not in person, you can't really capture that, right? So was that a challenge for you as well to make sure that they were not only retaining but actually listening to what it is you were trying to, to put out there? So, you know, um, there's starting to become a lot more research that's coming out in relation to virtual learning. And the uh, uh, interesting thing that I've been noticing as far as the trend in data is that um, students when they're in a virtual environment tend to become more audio or auditory dominant um, even if they're visual or kinesthetic um, as their primary dominant learning learning motive uh, modality so the one thing that i uh, have realized is it's okay for somebody to be on the beach um, in a figurative, figuratively um, sense perspective um, but they need to be able to be hearing you. Mm -hmm. So the one thing that um, I did mandate for my students, um, once I kind of started seeing that this was a trend, um, was mandating that the students actually wore headphones. Interesting. Um, so that they were at least hearing everything that was occurring at that point, so they were getting the auditory component. And you know, I, I think that our job as an educator in that environment 
um, is not necessarily to be as engaging and entertaining as we would be if we were in front of them, um, but to make sure that we're delivering the information and that we're stating the information um, in the appropriate manner that it needs to be stated. Talk to me about connectivity issues, and that's also something that, listen, I, I know personally how many times I had connectivity issues, whether it was in a meeting or, or it was uh, teaching or, or whatever else. That becomes an issue in, in a sense that, wow, that can really delay things and, and that can really hamper people's ability to get on or they can just use it as an excuse. You know, there, there's so many different parts of that. So um, what I found is um, my office um, where I was working um, was the worst place. <laughs> of course. For me to uh, be delivering that information because of all the firewalls and uh, you know, narrowing of the bandwidth. Yep. And um, I found that my home um, was the, the best place. We had basically wired in cable, okay. um, internet, and um, it was probably about the most stable. Um, surprisingly enough, Starbucks. Nice. Um, was actually my go-to um, if I was having issues at home or I'd lost um, our internet a few times. Um, sure. And there was a Starbucks a couple of blocks um, from the house and I went over there and um, actually chose to teach more than a handful of sessions I'm actually there in the coffee shop. That's pretty cool. Did you find that a lot of students had issues with it on occasion or, or regularly that became more of a nuisance? You know, surprisingly enough, not so much. Um, but the one thing that you can do um, in a virtual environment is you can record your sessions. So the few times that we did have issues with connectivity or basically conflicts um, with scheduling, um, students had access to the actual recorded session. That's pretty cool. You brought up one thing that w was kind of um, interesting, and, and again, something you don't necessarily think of, but as you're delivering your message, you have to anticipate students not answering questions. And that that's almost like uncomfortable, right? Like you put yourself in this vulnerable place because it's like this awkward silence. And again, when you're in, when you're teaching in person, like you can look at somebody and point at them and say, answer this, but not so much in that virtual you can't, and I think that's probably the hardest lesson that all of us as educators have probably learned. Um, that, uh, you know, for, especially for those, those of us that like the interaction in the classroom, um, is you, I wouldn't say can't, but you shouldn't um, ask questions just globally to the group um, and expect that somebody's going to respond in an appropriate time frame. And even if they do respond in the appropriate time frame, which typically is anywhere between about three to six seconds in a classroom, um, when you're in a virtual environment, just sitting there um, at the microphone, three to five seconds seems like an eternity. Oh, my word. It sure does. Well, Bob, you are back in the classroom now, correct? Yes. And, and are you happy to be back in the classroom? Um, yes and no. Okay. I'd like to hear that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be back in the classroom because we are getting that direct interaction. Um, and I'm kind of going back to what used to be my old comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I miss is the convenience um, in the way that I was able to connect with my students virtually. Um, you know, going back into the classroom, the one thing that I, I now realize is there's a lot of distractions mm -hmm. um, that go on in a classroom that uh, don't necessarily occur in a virtual environment. When I'm having a one-on-one -on -one, um, discussion with a student, um, I'm having a one-on-one -on -one discussion with that student and granted everybody else is listening um, but you know in the classroom uh, you know students are having side conversations and it may be a side conversation in relation to what you're talking about um, 
they're uh, distracted by one another when somebody's raising a, a hand, when you ask a specific student a question, um, that tends to increase the anxiety. Um, so I think it's a double-edged sword. I, I think I am probably landing more in the middle in the aspect that um, I think there's an absolute place in, for virtual education, and I think we need to explore that as educators and make that an option and for it, our students. I think that that that's that's really interesting because I think there's pros and cons on both sides, and and I would I would say I, I would suspect that you would think that that was never going to happen prior to COVID. No. And so I think, like you say, you know, you've, di you discovered a niche, you adapted and, and you overcame just like we always do in EMS. That's what we do. We adapt and we overcome. And in, in that space, you found a way to deliver content in a way that you felt comfortable and a way that the student felt comfortable. And I think that that speaks a lot, um, you know, to yourself and to the educator in general, because you know, we were put in a situation that was unprecedented and we had to figure out ways to, to make it work. But ultimately virtual, I do believe that there is a place for virtual. I do. And I think that we're going to start to see more of it as we as we roll out and, you know, as we become, you know, more involved in many different things, because th there is a place for it. There, there without question is. And I think that it came it came about in a way we never thought it would. Absolutely. Yes. Bob, it was a pleasure having you on, honestly, just to give me a little bit of insight as to this, because again, this is so relevant because we continue to deal with it. We've dealt with it and we continue to deal with it. And getting the perspective from uh, you know, a professor's side is, is certainly something that was of interest to me and to the listeners. So Bob, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening. That wraps up day two, episode 10. Remember, stay tuned. We have three more episodes in our series live from the expo floor. We'll be back at you tomorrow. I'm Mike McCabe. Thanks for listening. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.